and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, and joined by the regular rugby crew of Westy and Sam. We have a bit more of a somber podcast this week than we uh, did maybe previous weeks, but uh, this is why we do it. We've got to get, we got to talk about it, and there's plenty to talk about. Uh, Champions Cup rugby at the weekend. Uh, but before we get stuck into that, we'll do a little roundup as well of our weekend activities. Westy, how are you? How was your weekend? Bar the Connacht game. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to the Connacht game in person. Um, I was away. I was in Ballina, although not the Ballina that I'm used to. I was in Ballina Tipperary uh, with a few friends. Um, so it was good. I was telling them, Sam, it was like a, all doppelgangers of the other Ballina in Mayo. So there was like another Westie with short hair and a, no beard. Yeah. Uh, just walking around. Yeah, but it was nice. It was really, really lovely. We had a lovely Airbnb just on the lake. Um yeah, a few pints. Um, nobody in, that, in the house was interested in rugby, so they had to tolerate me screaming uh, at the television for 80 minutes. Um, so, yeah, it was it was eventful for them. Yeah, I'd imagine so, yeah. Uh, Sam, how was your weekend? Yeah, it was up and down. Obviously, the iconic uh, match wasn't great at the end. It was a great match to watch. Like, you know, I'm not going to take away from how enjoyable most of it was, uh, and I did. I had a bit of crack, and then obviously still kind of restricting movement, so I didn't want to go too far. Uh, did a little bit of shopping and then sat around and watched as much rugby as possible and watched some soccer and then watched Philadelphia Eagles losing the playoffs as as they do as I'm I'm used to now so uh, they sucked I watched that game they oh they sucked. they sucked they sucked they shouldn't have got the playoffs now in fairness like the last the last half of the season they had put together a good run but they they were playing nobodies for most of it really so it was uh, it looked like a better season than it was but ah honors and upwards rookie coach and all that you know. Yeah, I do like having the NFL playoffs back on a Sunday night. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. Nice to and it's good having Philadelphia Eagles playing at six. Like, usually I'm yeah. waking up in the morning, either stayed up till four to watch them or looking at the highlights and going, oh, jeez, I don't want to watch them ship 50 to Cal- Dallas Cowboys, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. So I'm going to avoid that one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'll save myself the time. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll get stuck in. We'll, we'll cover all four games, the provinces, but we'll obviously focus on Connacht here to start. Uh, kind of losing uh, by one point, twenty nine points, twenty eight to the Lesser Tigers. Actually, funny enough, I don't know if he's followed that Twitter page on uh, uh, about the it does the rugby predictions before the start of the week, the weekend. Yeah. So it gives they they predicted twenty six twenty five to Lesser Tigers. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. They so there were three points off, the, but they were said one point win. Like whatever algorithm that lad's using is spot well. He did have Ulster losing narrowly as well, so like I'm sure it works some weeks and some doesn't. But that was I saw that and I was like, that's scary how accurate that was. Um, this is uh, I don't want to be all doom and gloom about this because like you know we have to look at the bigger picture as well, and we will. But we'll talk about the game itself, Sam. This is going to be a very uh, bad question to ask you, but what went wrong? <laughs> Can you unpackage what went wrong? I've been thinking long and hard about this because people keep saying what went wrong and it's it's very hard to pinpoint uh, what went wrong. I think what what happened to Connacht was a lot of unfortunate things in a short space of time. I think went behind quickly enough. We looked like we were slow out the gate and in, to my mind, it looked like oh, a long, long day ahead. You know, this Leicester team are top of the premiership for a reason. And then we came back into it, played brilliantly after the halftime. We kept them out just before the half as well. Got a great turnover, put it out. Excellent play. Played really, really well. And then the capitulation, I think, I want to be as fair to both Connacht players and Leicester as possible. I think that a lot of it, and when it's looked back on, 
later on in the season or next year or whenever, if you look back on it, a lot of it was just Leicester stepped up a gear when they got their 15th man back on the pitch. There was a change or two in the Connacht team. Uh, there was a change uh, kind of Bryce Hegarty moved from fullback into the 10 position for quite a lot of the play. And he ended up bringing in the backs a lot more and they played a lot more rugby than I think Connacht were expecting. And Leicester just went up through the years and we didn't really have an answer for it. I don't think there was much wrong in terms of the Connacht performance, in terms of anything that could have been done. I think you just, we were unfortunately caught out on a Leicester team that really took advantage of a good swing and momentum in the, the game, started to play a bit more ball, started to keep the ball in hand, get the ball out. Uh, Dan Kelly made some big breaks. Bryce Hegarty was bringing players in. There was still some good kicking. Connacht looked dead on their feet for a while towards the end. And, you know, maybe a couple of bad decisions. Not kick chases were poor enough once or twice. I, th- I can't really blame them. I think that they were all, you know, limping at that stage. It was it was a tough attritional game for them. Uh, I don't buy into the, they should have kicked a touch and slowed it down because that's not their game plan they would have been destroyed in the line out the way Leicester were going with their momentum. So I think that they did what they, they planned to do and it just didn't work out for them because Leicester were very good. The biggest thing for me that changed it from a Connacht point of view was the changes in the front row. Finley went off injured. That was massive because he was actually really getting into in and under Genge and you know, we were quite, quite good and well-equipped in the scrums and not being dominated, not necessarily dominating, holding our own. And Dela Hunt went off. I don't know if he's injured or not. I think it was a little bit too early. Andy Friend said in his post-match that, you know, the the changes didn't have the bounce they expected and the bounce they'd hoped going after what happened in Welford Road when the changes did really shore it up and give us a new lease of life. I think that was one of the changes that didn't because Dela Hunt was having a great game. Heffern came on 47 minutes, probably didn't, didn't have the desired effect. And then after Bielham or after uh, Bielham went off, Andrew got injured again and TT. Tumanga, who had come on from Matthew Burke. So Matthew Burke came back on at one and TT went on on the opposite side of the scrum. And that it really just, it was disjointed from there. And that that was the undoing of it. I'm not too down about the performance in terms of like what went wrong, because I think a lot of it was just down to Leicester went right, really. Yeah, I think, yeah, you don't you don't want your scrum, um, you know, having to swap and change around against Leicester Tigers. That's just not, not, not what you want. Westy, uh, yeah. <laughs> It's just it's 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 hard to kind of uh, you know try and look at the positive in a lot of ways, but a lot of I think a lot of fans are kind of questioning possibly tactics. Did you see anything like that? Do you agree with Sam that it was just Leicester had you know a really good forty minutes out of the eighty and 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 there was was too much? Would you question some of the tactics yourself? I I, I would question some of the tactics in one sense, but I would say it was a very like momentum shifted quite a lot in the game. Like you look at how quickly out of the blocks Leicester came with those two tries in the first, I think it was under 10 minutes, maybe just over 10 minutes. Um, and then, you know, kind of build back into it very well. But I think there's, and I think it's similar later on in the game. I think Leicester almost kind of think, okay, we've got a good rhythm now. We're doing this. And then kind of slowly and effectively build back into the game. We start playing a little bit smarter where heads are a little bit up, we're paying attention a bit more. Um, and we build fantastic into the game. And I think as well, the yellow card comes at a very good time for us. And, you know, again, quite on, unlike Connacht, we really took advantage of the yellow card. We have two tries in while, um, while they've got a man in the bin. So I think, I think there, there is, and it's not big, it's not gigantic, but there is a sense in the Connacht team after 50 minutes that we've, we've, we're going to win this now, you know. And maybe it's a slight air of complacency that creeps in, just as Leicester start to rack, 
uh, roll back up through the gears. Now you almost forget who you're playing against. These guys are top, as Sam said, top of the Premiership for a reason. They, I think they do just have an extra gear. But that's not to say that we didn't allow them to build back up into it. There's, when you're 18 points up at, at whatever point in the game, there's two things that happen. Where they go the Leinster route and you absolutely decimate them. You fire on all cylinders and you run in excess more tries. Or you uh, adapt and play a more conservative brand of rugby to see out the game. And I think it's all well and good to say, oh, it's not Connacht style to put it up the jumper. It's not Connacht style to do this, that, and the other. But the pillars of the season are uh, relentless. Uh, what's the other one? Is it's, it's adaptability speed and adaptability. Speed. And we did not adapt to what was happening. Fair enough, right? Leicester built back into it and scored. Probably, the, probably the best try was the uh, the first of the last three tries. The, the try on was it fifty something minutes? Because um, that's the one that gives them the belief that they're that they're now within winning distance of the game, and it is the most skillfully executed try. The other ones come from Connacht errors. Um, and again, look, maybe maybe the last one that's a bit harsh on the final try statements Connacht errors, but at the same time, we failed to tactically manage that ball. Anytime we won possession back, we were kicking kind of back down the pitch in the middle. And I know that's the game plan is to keep the ball in the field of play. But at this level, and especially if we're going to go through, it's all, it, look, um, we'll get to the repercussions because it's not as bad as it, as it seems because we've taken two points from the game, right? But if we're going to get past a, a round of 16 or a quarterfinal or a semifinal, we, we do have to be able to put the ball up the jumper and kill a game. That is a weapon that can be used by a team. And if you're going to talk about the adaptability of your team, you have to be willing to look into that strategy every now and again. So are you, so uh, Sam was saying like, you know, the people were calling from the kick to touch, maybe kick it out. Is that something that you maybe would have looked at yourself, Westy, if you were like that? I know uh, Sam makes a great point. Like that is not, that wouldn't have been the game plan starting off the game. Yeah. But as you said, it, things weren't going great. Maybe kicking the ball out, having a minute where nothing is happening to regain some focus, maybe get a, catch a breath. Would that have been something that you would have looked at? I'm not putting the whole. I'm not saying that the answer is to kick it out and kick it into touch and let them line it because Sam is right. Like, right, their their, their lineup was very strong. The rolling mall was very strong. We saw that. Even we saw that that first uh, first try they had from the lineup popped off the second pod and they walked over the line. But I'm not. I'm advocating maybe more for the fact of keeping a ball in your hand or do, doing a couple of doing five or six pods in a row and killing that a minute before you boot the ball back down the pitch. Now that's difficult. Of course, when you're back inside your own 22, you don't want to be doing that, but I just think there are areas of the game and times in the game where we have to be willing to slow the game down, not necessarily kick for touch, but there are other things you can do in those situations to adapt to what's happening in front of you. Yeah, I think, no, I, I agree with you, but I just think the position that we were in, the momentum that they had uh, the position, I mean, physically on the pitch, you know, within our 22, Every time Carty, who has a good boot of a ball, was kicking it and clearing it, it wasn't really even getting past their 10. You know, so I don't think that we, we were pinned back too much, much like we did against Munster a couple of weeks ago. We pinned them into the corner and we just didn't let them out of there. And we just that's what they were doing. And they, they took advantage of that by just scoring. They were moving up slightly in territory. We were kicking it back to them. They're moving up. And I think that you kick it to touch, like we both said, their lineout was just going to dominate, especially with the changes. You don't know how, who's lifting where and stuff. There, there could have been disjointed kind of feelings in there. But the going through a few pods in your own 22 against a team as strong, as big, and as quick off the line as Leicester were playing, I think you would have just given away a penalty and you would have lost even more territory there. I think that it was such a back foot game for us for that last 20 minutes because they just upped it in terms of their strength and their, their relentlessness. I, I think that there was kind of 
I know they were probably, it looks and it comes across a bit like lost their heads and maybe it is to an extent, but I just don't think Leicester really gave us any other options. And we could try up the jumper a couple of times and pods wise, but you do risk really giving away possession in your own 22 in that case. Sam, Westy mentioned complacency. Um, how is that a thing when it comes to Connacht? Connacht are, you know, uh, always underdogs. Connacht are always punching up. Complacency should never even be, come into it. And I, I did hear uh, when Finley Bila came off, he was sort of, you know, kind of waving to the crowd or pumping up the crowd as if, like, you know, game over, you know, we've we've done this. Where is that coming from? Well, do the Finley Beelham one now, that's, I think that's unfair on him because I think he's doing what professional sports stars do and geeing up the crowd and being like, look, we're in this position, kids, keep going, keep it going. You see it time and time again, players needing the crowd to lift and he was doing that and he was playing up and he was being a professional sports star and that's why I think, I think it's unfair to say that that action was complacency. There was definitely a little bit of complacency amongst the team on the pitch, but I think, I think interacting with the crowd in that way is, is an unfair criticism personally. Uh, I think that the, the complacency, maybe it's not from a, a we're winning, we're flying, we're soaring sort of side of things. I think that the complacency was more actually a lack of understanding about the position we were in, which is 18 points up against the Premiership League leaders. Like, I don't I don't ever remember Connacht being in that position. And I don't think anyone ever remembers Connacht being in that position. We're not used to that position. So it was probably just a lack of understanding about the position we're in and how to deal with it, as opposed to a complacency from the like, we're definitely going to win side of things, you know, that that. That probably comes into it a little bit, but I think actually probably just being under overawed by the position we got ourselves into was more of a, a damning effect than you know a complacency in terms of like the, the win is coming because they were very aware of Leicester's ability to fight back and dog them out and they, they were coming under pressure. So I don't think I don't think it would be fair to call it complacency in the true sense of the word, but I think that it, what, what happened was more that they were probably just caught in a position that none of them had ever experienced before and didn't really know how to deal with it. Whereas if you had Leinster in the exact same position, they have been in that position. They have been 18 points up against extremely good teams and they know how to finish out. They know how to, like Wesley said, put the boot in and just, you know, kill them off. And that's just something that Connick will have to learn and that, that will take time and that will take being in that sort of position again and again to do. That's a good point, actually, Wesley. That is, that's a good talking point. Connacht are a team that are very vocal, are, are trying to take that next step. They talk about, you know, we belong here. It's all about, you know, the 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 sports psychology side of it and all that. And Friendly's very vocal about that too. There's going to be days like days like Saturday. There's going to be days where you do, are you, as Sam said, you're finding yourself in a position that, you know, years ago you wouldn't have thought so. But now through this kind of new belief system, like you are 18 points up in a, in a crucial Champions Cup game. But then, yeah, does does reality think hit in and be like, oh my god, we are eighteen points up with thirty minutes to go here? This is, you know, a little bit of panic might set in. Is is that a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah. Like, and sounds like like complacency probably is a strong word. It's it's it, it's excitement. It's panic. It's nerves. It's like, holy shit, what's happening here? What like we're we've done. We're doing it. Like, um, and you know, just to go back to one point you said, and we'll talk about it more later. But I can't believe I ever uh, worried about Connacht proving their worth in this competition. After what fucking Montpellier did in, uh, in their game, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, I, can't we'll get I was ever worried. Um, <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, and it is, and that's what I said when I was talking. I was like, we have to look at it in context as well, right? So let let's remove let's remove the facts for a second and look at the statistics. We've taken eight points from three games, so whether they were two four point wins or 
uh, a bonus point win and three points from losing games. Like that is imp- scoring four tries against Leicester without Mac Hansen is an achievement. Like we did a lot on the day, right? We did so much well and there's so many great performances. I don't really want to start singing people out because it was, well, Prendergast and Carthy and Marmion for the first ones in my head, but right across the board, there were so many great, great performances that I think Sam's, Sam's at the nail in the head. It is just a case of we're not used to that position. It's not somewhere that we are very often. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it is something that will take time. That's why I kind of said, okay, like it, it's, we can get past it now in, in the group stages because in the grand scheme of things, it, it's going to be okay. We're going to get out of the group. That is going to happen now. Um, but you do have to look forward and say that is only true if we learn from it. So we can't be sitting here in two weeks' time when we've gone away to, I don't know, to lose or to Leinster or something for a round of 16 game or for a quarterfinal game and say that we were 10, 15 points up and that we lost it again. It's only a valid argument if we now learn from back it up. And look, that's kind of harsh because it's not going to happen overnight. It's not something you learn from after one time and you fix it next week. It's, it's, a, it's an ever-growing process for this team um, that is quite young in a lot of ways, and especially in the Heineken Cup, is still a very young team. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it is something that will come. It is something that we're building towards as a squad. Um, it, you'll just never be able to look at it and not see the opportunity that it actually was to take five points from. Yeah, when you see the when you see the 28-10 after fifty odd minutes, you're like, what? Like we lost, we lost this game. But Sam, do you have a few points? Yeah, well, like it's it's. The type of thing that I think this kind of team has proven that it's capable of doing and is in in kind of in a transition period where Andy Andy Friend has relinquished a little bit more of his power to other coaches. He's moved up to director of rugby role. And we've seen with the, the bringing in of Duval Senegal and others that like our defense has changed, our game plan has changed, our forwards have changed, but we have shown learnings. Like you know, we went in Toman Park, we lost, we we were able to blame the referee because how close the game wasn't because of one decision, but we had a game last season where we made a wrong decision and didn't come out of it. We had the Bristol game last season. And this year we've taken the drop goal against Leicester to get that extra bonus point, which is now going to be crucial. Last year it might not have been, but this year it will. We've gotten the win against Munster by putting the foot in the throat and getting it down the corner and just not letting them play out. And I think you've seen learnings and you've seen their capability of learning. And I think that, you know, we could in a year or two's time look back at this result albeit one of the hardest results to watch and take as a fan. I was in foul humor for the rest of the weekend, but we could look back at this and go, what a catalyst that was for that team. They really, they banded together and they used that as a jumping off point to go, you know what? We don't fuck up like that again. That's not going to happen. We've learned from that. And Leicester was a harsh learning to do that. You know, they were, they were a team that were capable of giving us that because we could have walked through the rest of that game and been complacent, you know, for whatever sense that word you want us to take and gotten away with it and not learned anything, but they've learned a harsh lesson there. And I think that this team is capable of uh, of using that to jump off because we've seen them do that a couple of times recently. And I think that they're in a good transition, positive transition. And then on top of Westy singling out a couple of players, I really want to single out uh, the second rows because I think the youthful, like 24 and 22, Niall Murray and Ushing Dowling stood up to that Leicester pack. And I know we we looked like we got dominated a bit in scrums and lineouts, but they stood up and they they, to me, went, you know, that's a 10-year partnership if we keep hold of the two of them. They're both going to be in contention for Ireland if we get viewed on, if they get viewed favourably by selectors. They're both got potential to grow physically and like mentally and skillfully and everything. So I was I was so impressed with how they handled that because that is not an easy game to be playing. And having someone like Olsen 
on the bench. That's probably given them a positive little kind of kick up the arse before going, look, he's an Irish international. People are devastated he's leaving, but now is my chance to take it. And I think both of them really did. I, I was so impressed with the two of them. Yeah, and, and playing the opposition of that quality as well is only going to stand to them, uh, you know, in, in the long term. I think, I think that is, as Connor fans, we have to look at, the, at that game as, as we're kind of saying now. That is a harsh lesson learned, but it's still a lesson learned. Uh, you know, I know the coaching staff and Connor, I think I could be misquoting his name as a uh, birth whistle is kind of the, he's, I've seen Connor Oliver quote him as well as being the kind of sports psychology kind of guy uh, that they work with. Like, you know, I'm sure he'll be gutted, obviously, that Connacht lost, but he's also probably looking at that being like, this is, this is like, I can use this in, in the long term here. Um, and that's what we have to look at it as, as Connacht fans. Uh, we can touch on the... Uh, uh, Connacht fans are unhappy with the referee at the end. Uh, we can touch on it. Paul Boyle, uh, look, I think the best way to sum up the Paul Boyle thing is we've seen them given as turnovers. The problem is the referee is right there and Paul Boyle's hand is on the ground and the referee is staring at it. Um, from the angles I saw as well, I don't think he's out of touch. I, 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 I get, my point being here is I wouldn't be blaming the ref for that loss. I would be blaming the fact that we were 18 points up with 30 minutes left. And that would be more of the the taking from that game than the ref screwed us over. Like, that's just not that's just not the case. You know what I mean? I get the frustration because it's literally the two plays before they scored the winning try. I get that too, but I don't know if any of you guys want to touch on the, the ref. I, 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 if we can, just keep it short. Yeah, it's a tough one to take. I don't, you can't blame the ref. Just considering the the entire game overall, you can't blame him. I think he was actually very good, and I think Friendy was right in to say that. And you know, Bundy's apologized for the way he acted, and that's tempers were flaring. And I think that's an understandable reaction, just given the emotion of it. The the boil one was tough to take because it looked like he was actually going to whistle for it. He kind of was about to give it, and then the ball went away, and he didn't. And that's tough to take. But no, in the grand scheme of things, you just can't blame the entire. You can't blame the performance. You can't blame the results on that that decision alone because that. That's not the case, you know. The the uh, the foot wasn't in touch. I was <laughs> emotionally angry about it afterwards. Very quickly, I think Twitter is dangerous that way. But uh, and in the grand scheme of things, there's nothing you can you, nothing you can do about that now. The referee, in fairness, like he had a good game, and uh, there should be like a that. thirty minutes thirty minute ban after a game on your Twitter, like so you can't get into it but until you've had like a good thing there, about it. There should know? be some sort of like app that like you can tweet all you want, but this app stores them for you. And then, then it asks you half an hour later if you still want to tweet it. Like <laughs> our college roommate, our college roommate had an app that uh, it was an alarm. And he kept clicking snooze, so he'd he'd sleep through his alarm or whatever, turning off without even waking up. So he got this alarm that made him do a simple maths equation before it would turn off. So you'd be this alarm would be going for about twenty minutes in the house, and he'd shout like, "What? Sixty four divided by eight? And someone would be like, "It's eight, turn off." That's not not great, Matt. If you struggle with that one, I uh, get woke up at seven in the morning. That's tough, man. Yeah, true. Wesley, what are you going to say? Um, yeah, no, just the same. Like it's obviously, and uh, it was it was awful kind of to see the big boo when the try was given on the stadium. But it it is the heat of battle. It's one of those decisions that, like, obviously at the time you you know you're going to see. I look, I, I, I've watched it back. <laughs> I think there might be a foot in Dutch, to be honest, but. We didn't lose the game on that decision, you know. Like it was, you have to look at the the last half an hour as a whole, um, and it can be frustrating. And look, people are well in their right to vent after frustration at a decision, but um, yeah. Look, but I, over on the whole, I don't think there was a problem with the refing in the game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I asked for questions on uh, Twitter and Instagram. 
Um, Aidan uh, from Calvin, another Calvin man, uh, asked why slash how. I think we've covered that one, Aidan. Uh, I hope that we we met uh, we answered that question to your standards. Um, another one though I think is interesting to talk about is uh, from Captain Morn. Uh, he asked, "Where do you think our biggest lack of depth is at present?" Um, I think uh, second row. This is not a harsh thing, but second row, as you said, Sam, they're very young and very talented. But it's in the likes of a Leicester come around. You'd obviously love. Uh, experience kind of big second row that you can go to battle with and be confident that you can match up and I totally agree Niall Murray and Ashton Dowling are definitely uh, hopefully Connacht players for you know a long long time and will be great second rows but like currently I feel like with the fact that we are losing Delan, we lost Quinru last year you know are we going to bring in someone like that Um, possibly prop as well I, I know they're they're kind of they're looking for a prop maybe and another second row um, but I would probably go second row at the moment again, not because of not criticizing our current second rows, but just the fact that they're, as you said, Sam, like they're twenty two and twenty three, whatever the age they are, like that's you know second row normally a bit older, a bit more experienced when you're, especially when you're in Champions Cup kind of knockout stages. But um, Westy, what about you? Where do you think kind of the biggest uh, depth issue is? Um, I, I would agree in second row, just in more in the terms of the players that we're we've lost slash are losing in the last two years, like the Lan and Rue were. You know, have been such big um, parts of you know the things that kind of did right over the last couple of years. So, I think that they do leave a gap. And, and as much as yeah, I, I totally agree that uh, Murray and Dowling were outstanding at the weekend. I think they are a future, definitely a long-term future Connacht pairing, if not uh, a possible Ireland pairing in, in a couple of years. Um, it never hurts to have a more seasoned um, second row in your squad, um, kind of in the vein of of Fafida, but. Um, Again, when you, as I say, when you've lost Delan and Rue in such quick succession, you, you kind of would like somebody else there. Um, I see the argument for the prop. I mean, I think that it is something that was said during the week, that it is one of the few things missing from Connacht is um, kind of that ability to absolutely dominate a scrum for an entire 80 minutes, and maybe a solution there is a bigger prop. Um, for me, though, I think I, I think we need another 10, to be honest. I think... Um, Jack Hardy's been outstanding, and I really do. I still, I'm not going to go back on what I said last year, the year before, that I do think Connor Fitz is, is a fantastic player and a great talent and will grow. But if if you're looking at a situation where your 10 is playing, you know, 78, not 80 minutes of, of every game, unless he's injured, like, and, you know, maybe it's wishful thinking, but I really, really do think that Carty is going to at least be involved in an Ireland squad. Um, and if he pushes on from there, we look into a case where his minutes start being managed. And if we have a, a situation where Carthy cannot be a part of a squad, um, what do we do then? Now, look, I, I know I would even I would like to see like maybe later on this season, let's let's start Mac Hansen at ten and give him the whole game and see how that goes, or let's give uh, Tom Daly a, a, a full game at ten and see how that goes. If that's our fallback plan, great. But we have to start enacting it now. You know, maybe maybe bring. Mac Hansen or Tom Daly on at 10 for the last 20 minutes of, of a game sometime and see how it goes because I absolutely adore Jack Hardy and I hope he keeps up this form and this, um, you know, playing this much for every game all season. But it doesn't mean I don't want to make sure we're prepared for a situation if he is out for a week or two um, or is unavailable with Ireland or, or however it goes. Yeah, I think, uh, sorry Sam, before you answer, 
I don't. I can't think of any other, another team who's that dependent on a player than Connacht are with Jack Carty now. He makes everything tick. He is everything that's good about Connacht rugby is Jack Carty. And the, uh, you make a great point, Westy. If he does, and I'm, I think he will be called into an Irish squad just with Carberry being out, and he can play some games. I think Connacht will end up. They'll, they'll end up like especially next year or next season possibly if again Carty is involved. You might end up losing the odd game here and there that you just wouldn't have lost. Um, you know, to 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 when if Carty was playing, and um, again, it's nothing against Connor Fitz. It's just the level that Carty's at. Uh, it's just the gulf between them has just gotten bigger because of how better Carty's gotten. And I I think yeah, tends a good point. But um, sorry, Sam, what what do you think? Depth issues? Yeah, I think that just given the resources that Connacht have, uh, the players they have, and the the kind of the player depth they have, the money they have, everything. I think that there is there is probably depth issues in a good number of positions 10 you make some great points but I think what we've done is we've got Carty we've got Fitzy who is kind of in the same mold but hasn't really had a chance to go I think if you look at a 24 year old Jack Carty he's just not had the game time to be as good as he is now and that's probably what's happened to Fitzy and I think that the idea and the understanding and the, the belief in Connacht is that he is capable of getting to that level it might take until like Jack Carty's 28 now you know, it might take until then, uh, it might take a couple of years and, you know, they want to up it and maybe they need something in the interim, but I don't think so. And I think that they have the the long, the the plan past that is Ford, who, you know, we've, you've had him on the podcast. He's excellent under twenties player, but he's, you know, he's still young and he's still coming. And I think that that's just the, the resources that are at Connick's disposal. We can't, like we can't have a Sexton, a Ross Byrne, a Harry Byrne and a Frawley in the same spot. We just can't afford that. Uh, we don't have the, centralized contract players we don't have the resources to to maintain that uh, and that's just unfortunately the position we're in you know maybe the likes of a Hanrahan for a year or two while Fitzy gets up to the same age and same level and same experience would have been a good idea but then again are you getting in the way of him getting his opportunity when Carty gets called up you know a lot of Carty has in the past been dropped for form reasons for injury reasons or for being away and Fitzy and even younger Fitzy has stepped up and played well and has been you know, at points, Carty was coming back into form and being played back in form at fullback because they wanted Fitzy to maintain his, his his trajectory. So I think that that's that's where we are. Unfortunately, the second row and the prop ones I think are both areas that the 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 club realised that there is a depth issue, maybe an experienced depth issue as opposed to a depth issue because we seem to be quite stacked in young players in those positions. We have you know we got Greg McGrath came in, we got a a couple of good academy players like Roden Swift. Uh, was you know, brought in recently and others that were brought in to the academy that I think that they're looking for, you know, bringing through those sort of players. But, you know, we can't afford maybe to really have like a, an Al Alatoa sitting on the bench or a Kean Healy or a Sean Cronin or that's that standard player. And that's just where we are. So I think, you know, shopping kind of in the less, less uh, well-known areas like the Titi Tuangas and the Leva Fafidas were, they were good. They were probably risky buys and, I'm hoping to see more of them because I think that those were brought in with that exact reasoning behind them is, you know, we needed a bit of experience. We needed a bit of bulk and we needed a, a bit of squad depth in those positions. So I kind of, I want to see Leva if he's not going to work out, I want to see it not work out because I'd like to see what he can bring. Because I do think that the reason he was brought in was to replace the, uh, the Quinn Rue and then the, the Alton this season as well, you know, bring in that bulk and, and really just shore us up for me. Depth wise, because he's been so good, it's proven to me that we need just now and out seven all the time. Connor Oliver has just made that position his own, but he is really the only out and out seven we have. We've played for the last year or so with a kind of an almost transient back 
three or back row there where like the eight could be a six or could be a seven and Boyle has played there a little bit underage and sometimes he's played there and you know you can have him playing six or you can have him playing eight and you have Butler playing six other weeks and I think that now Connor Oliver has just shown me that you just need that and he's brilliant at doing it so if you could get another one I know you know people aren't necessarily overly happy with the way and his views on things but that Chris Clote might not be re-signing for Monster and he he could be another good acquisition. I don't know about him personally if I if I really like him, but as a player and as someone to back up Connor Oliver, which would be quite ironic because I think that's the reason Oliver left was because he was the backup on not getting the game time. I think it could be an astute signing because that is something that like you know Oliver has become integral to everything good that we do this season. He is all over the place. He has been man of the match a few times, and I'd love to see another player like that so that we're not reliant on Oliver staying fit for an entire season either. Yeah, yeah, it made some good points. Um, we'll move on. So yeah, we kind of were saying that we need to also look at the bigger picture. The biggest, the bigger picture is here that yeah, the like Connacht currently sits sixth in Pool B, um, and basically you know, Cast need to get a bonus point win and outscore Connacht by thirty something points, uh, and that's if Connacht don't get any points from their game as well at the weekend. Uh, and Cast play I think that Saturday, don't they, Sam? You're saying they played the day before. Yeah. So I think Connacht, Connacht will know. Connacht could even qualify before playing um, their game on Sunday. So look, it's it's Friendy's been very you know upfront about that their goal this year was to qualify, first team to qualify, first Connacht team to qualify for the knockout stages of the European Cup, uh, and that looks to have been met. So albeit we are obviously good with that loss, it still shows that you know what they set out to do, they're they're doing and. Uh, yeah, they, they might get if we do qualify, they might get qualified against a pretty good team. But Connacht again, this is part. This is the tr- part of the transition of the belief stage. You know what I mean? You have to believe. Like they bet Leinster, you know, not too long ago. Like this is these are teams that there's no teams that kind of can't beat anymore. Ever now they have to play obviously to their full potential and uh, stuff has to go their way. But they don't fear anyone anymore. Um, and that's that's great to see. So like yeah, like Westy, like you know, at the end of the day, having qualified potentially before even playing their last game, like that is that's dream stuff for Connacht. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I said we were talking about it earlier, kind of before we recorded. I think I said that obviously, you know, you want to win these games to make sure you get as as favorable a draw as possible um, going into the next round. But as you just said, we don't really fear anybody. You know, I, I fancy Connacht in in a one off game really. Um, and even as I'm just looking at the table here as well, if we had taken an extra two points from that game or three points from that game, we'd only be one position higher than where we are. So I don't think that would have had a major effect on our... Now, look, again, I'm not taking away from the disappointment of, of losing the game in that fashion. But my point is that, as you said, one, we shouldn't really be afraid of anybody. And two, we're not really in that much worse of a position. So I think the perfect situation you now going forward would be a really, really strong performance and hopefully the win in France next weekend. But I think that's definitely within our grasp. Stad have been thoroughly underwhelming in the competition. Um, and it, it, it kind of will depend a lot on their attitude because uh, as far as I can see it, they can't qualify for the next round. Um, so, yeah, I I think I think we... Sorry, I've lost my place. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot to be hopeful about. Like, they, we, we'll realise the goal and that's probably the main thing. We won't have done it in the way we want to have done it, but um, I, I would I'll be happy with a strong showing again next week, um, and I'd I'd be optimistic enough going into at least round of sixteen. Yeah, exactly. Sam, do you want to add to that? Yeah, no, I think that the goal is realised. I think that if you lay out the results 
that we got, you know, the, the hammering of stat at home and then the, you know, two, two, two bonus point losses to uh, Leicester who are flying and they're, they're so well coached and they're extremely strong and they've got, you know, players like Jasper Visa who just are animals and, you know, that I think that that would have been something that Connacht would have looked at and they gone, you know, if we manage the games, we look to get our points when we can get our points, you know, taking, not taking a zero from any of the games is that's extremely smart cup rugby and it's putting them in a the position to go through. They're playing the cup, they're playing the fixtures the way that those, you know, the, the, the championship is outlined, you know, the top eight go through. It's not the hardest thing to get through if you t- keep taking, you know, your uh, what did they you say in the leave insert? You could probably pass just by attempt marks in the maths paper one and paper two. Like that's kind of what we're doing. We're just taking our points when we need to. And I wouldn't fear anyone because I've seen this Connacht team step up. You know, Munster try to bully them to step up, and they get narky in their head. And you know, there is a chance results going the way they do. If we do get through, it's not guaranteed yet. You know, it's quite likely it's not guaranteed yet. If we do get through, there's a chance that we could be playing Leinster. And albeit they hockey everyone in their wake. I think Connacht would be the only team in our group that would stand up to them and just give it back to them and be narky and it might not go our way, but I'd actually, I'd love to see it because Connacht just in the Interpros are a different animal completely. And sometimes you almost want them to be able to harness that inner prick and get, get in under the Leicester skin or whatever it is. But like, yeah, no, I think, I think qualifying and getting through to round of 16 was the goal. And I think that they've smartly gone about it and they're very close to doing it. And we'll know Friday evening whether or not Cass beat Harlequins and what we have to do. And if cast do beat Harlequins by 40 something points away, which I don't see them doing, but they could. And if they do, I put, I, I completely have faith in Connacht to get a point at least from Stad away because they're capable of doing it. They ho- hockey Stad, they played well in Welford road. They got a point from that game. They got two points from the game of the weekend. So you know, why would they not get another point? They're, they're perfectly capable. And I think that now Murray said it after the game, they want to go for five and fair play to them. I hope they do. It will be interesting to see the team they pick. Uh, Connacht, do they do they kind of hedge on cast uh, not getting the result they want to kind of rest a couple of key players? So, yeah, it'll be interesting. They don't have to name the team until after that cast game though, because it's Friday night. So you know they don't have to name. Uh, them. Well, they will have to name the squad. Friday, Friday morning, they said no. So they have to name. I thought it was twenty four hours in advance. Was the tip? The oh, maybe. But maybe. even then, I don't think that they'll change up too much. You don't want it like changing up 23 players is just going to make it disjointed and make it, you know, you want to get some people minutes in their legs, but you don't want to change completely because then those players are all disjointed and not playing together. I think that you, you, I think you'll see much like the Irish squad and it frustrates Connacht fans much like the Irish squad. I think you'll see five, six changes between the 23 max. I think most of them will come in the pack. I think you just will. Yeah. Of, giving them a break. Like, yeah. yeah. In terms of rest and players, in terms of rest players, though, it's worth mentioning that like we have the game next again. We have Glasgow the week after, and then we've got a two-week break. So I don't think managing minutes will be at the forefront of anyone's mind. I think the guys, you know, obviously, obviously, some players w- will need to be rested for for various reasons. But I think we, as I said last week, we were looking that we had a week or two off, and now we've got two weeks coming off after Glasgow game. So I think I think a lot of the guys from the weekend will be eager to get back out and to rectify kind of. You know, their failings in the last 20 minutes, half an hour of the last game. All I'm saying is, 
I wouldn't get ahead of ourselves, but we might see a big pop of sighting this weekend. Oh, good. Just give it to us, please. Friendly, if, if you're listening, we want it. We want Papa. We want we're like we We're want like heroin. Jesus. We're like heroin junkies. Give it to us. Give us our hit. That's all we want. Yeah, he's off to breathe now. We're not just milking for all he's worth. Get every inch out of him because, oh, you just want to see the big man Hulk smash in France. Get him used to the cuisine. Get him over there. Uh, yeah exactly uh, we'll move on from Connacht uh, thanks for everyone sending questions in I couldn't get to all of them just because we would sit here for two hours talking about it but uh, we'll move on to Ulster Ulster came, uh, came away from Northampton with a very good win 24 points to 20 um, uh, the game the game was good Ulster you know they sort of held on towards the end a little bit but were the better team uh, deserved the win the main talking points and it's actually one of the questions that was sent in uh, from Niall McDonald who's uh, an Ulster fan um, is will Lowry get a chance at all for Ireland or will him being too small and that's in quote marks uh, prevent him from getting chances Mike Lowry was incredible this weekend is the fact that he wasn't wearing a scrum cap is that like a, is that like a better form of him do you know what I mean like there's different forms of people is the, the most powerful Mike Lowry without a scrum cap uh, we don't know but like it's been we've talked about this for kind of it's been you know discussed for the last kind of year or so that the Lowry getting a chance with Ireland people have said you know especially as a full back uh, getting up and catching balls, he is a bit smaller. But like, Westy, we can't ignore him anymore. Like, the man is in ridiculous form. Like, like he he deserves probably a run out, doesn't he? Yeah, I want to go back to this time last year when I definitely said Mike. I would be surprised if Mike Larry got called up to an Ireland squad. Um, I think you can make you can say that as much as you want that he's too small under high balls and too small to make tackles. These are not problems he has during games. He's not not catching balls. He's not missing tackles. If anything, he's you know his covering defense is really really strong. Um, the only thing, the only question you would have is, you know, does he see his future at fullback? And I think he's going to say that he does intend to move into the ten role at some point later on, or that's kind of would be where he'd like to play. But if you're like, first off, you're not going to see too much change in the Iron Squad based off you know what happened in autumn. Like you know, it was a very successful series for us. We're not going to start anything new. But we also now have to start building that second layer where that, that, that comes so important in a World Cup. And if you were going to pick an out-and-out fullback for Ireland and couldn't have Hugo Keenan, I can't see an argument for anybody that isn't Mike Lowry. Mike um, Haley? I'd rather Lowry. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather. Like, yeah, but there is okay. an argument for Haley. I'm just yeah, I, no, I, I think Haley really has, good, been, has been very strong as well. But I think, I think Lowry has probably been a bit more consistent. And that's probably because he's played more. Because Ulster have played a lot more than Munster. They've had a lot of games uh, postponed and cancelled. Um, but no, I think I think the size argument only goes so far. Like you, you, you can't, it would be different if he was been barreled over by uh, by the likes of Courtney Laws all day last night. He wasn't, it didn't happen. So I, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if he doesn't, but I think he's more than earned it. And I would love to see, and I'd love to see him in our squad and get, some form of meaningful minutes. I, I don't want to see people coming on five minutes at the end of a game. Here's your cap. Go back to your province. Like that's how does that help anybody? You know, we if we don't. What, what like, more do they want, Westy? Don't be selfish. You know, five minutes. <laughs> five more minutes is longer than ninety seconds. That's all I'm saying. I would kill for five minutes in an Ireland jersey. First off, but uh, I would also probably die if I spent five minutes in an Ireland jersey. Um, but no, I think like. We, we, we've built a very good squad now and fair enough if you're not going to make changes or whatever but like you know Leinster's kind of proven they don't need to play every week to, to be at their best um, but you do like we, we are in danger once again of falling into the same thing as we fall into every World Cup cycle where we have a great start in 15 and we have seven players in reserve who have a decent amount of caps for 
Ireland a decent amount of experience. Like we have to avoid that pitfall. So I do think you have to, if if you have to prepare for a, a, an eventuality where Hugh Keenan won't be able to play every minute of every game for Ireland. And I think that is a perfect opportunity to at least give Mike Lowry an opportunity in a training camp and to give him a couple, you know, give him some meaningful game time in the Six Nations. Yeah, I, that's fair. Well, Sam, are you a fan? Oh, massive fan. I think uh, I think the ability shown on the ball, his support running, his he's he's not in any way hamstrung by his height. You know, he's he's catching balls because he's in the right position. He's going up for them. There's not been that many contestables that he's lost or that he's not gotten near because of his height. And I think that he's shown that he's perfectly capable of tackling. So I don't know why that would stand in his way. Uh, I think that the link up he showed for was it Doke's try when he kind of he checked himself back onto the outside of uh, Balakun and drew, drew the defender. I think that's just so, so smart and he's showing smart rugby. And that might be the fact that he is a 10 at heart. You know, he has that ability to play make and that ability to kind of run it. So I think Lowry is just a, one of a few Ulster players that could really, you know, put their foot down and say, we deserve to be in that Irish squad. I think if you're looking at the back line from the weekend, McElroy should be in with a chance, Hugh and Balakoon and Lowry all in with a chance. And, you know, Doak in the future as well. They're, they're, they're so, so stacked with young players in that back line. It's, it's so exciting for Ulster. Uh, but, you know, I think head and shoulders above all of them has been Lowry this season and last season. We, were talk- we spoke about it before Six Nations last year. I thought he was in with a chance. And, you know, it's not just been a flash in the pan. He's continued to do it and will continue to do it. He's that good. So hopefully, hopefully we see him in an Irish jersey. Yeah, I, th- I think he's more than good enough to to feature. Whether it's you know against Italy for whatever, but I mean, th- yeah, there's nothing more he can do, you know, to to put his hand up. But um, Ulster sitting second in their group, uh, same points as Racing ninety two. They're qualified. Uh, Sam, are they uh, is Ulster a contender for this, or are they still just a step away? I think they're definitely a contender, but I don't think they'll do it. I think that they'll go far and they'll push far, depending on what the draw is and who they get. They've been very good. They've got, you know, they've got a really good bunch of players, but I think kind of a little iconic, maybe they're lacking that depth, that just below the top level. And uh, they've got like Dwayne Vermeulen there at eight and, you know, be, be, below him, if he's not available for a Champions Cup quarterfinal, who comes in that has the same standard. And I think, you know, McCluskey's been out and Moore was good. Hume is very good at 13, but you'd really want McCluskey if he got through to a Champions Cup semi-final you know that's that's kind of the depth that they're missing and you know Cooney's not been around he's been a bit injured hopefully he gets back and you know, but Doak's a good young player but I think on the whole they probably just fall short this year but they're building something really really strong and really it's looking really bright for them and I can see in the next year or two them being contenders for both the league and the Champions Cup if they continue to build the way they're doing continue to retain the way they're doing their brilliant retention of their players they're, they go about their business very smartly and they brought in some good players as well so I think that you know the future is bright. They're in with a chance this year, depending on how the draw falls. But I don't think they'll do it. I think that there's just you know teams like Leicester and Leinster and potentially like Exeter, or Toulouse, or any of those sort of teams might just be you know a little bit too strong this year. I think yeah, I think they're 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 better than Connacht. I think you know overall, but I think they're also in the same kind of bracket of Connacht as. Do they genuinely believe that they can go on to win a Champions Cup? I don't know, but because again, like they, it's been so long since they've won silver. Was it fifteen years? Is it? Is that yeah, wasn't something, like uh, something like that? Like that does I know the the pro, now obviously the benefit of uh, of such a young team is that they don't have that baggage. But still, you have to 
you know you have to know you do it before you can really believe to do it so uh, I think that might stop them as well but on their day they can beat anyone like there's no if it all clicks with that back line and if their pack is a decent day like uh, they wouldn't fear anyone either but um, we'll move on to Munster um, who had a, an, another gritty win uh, over Cast um, I watched the game it wasn't a great game to watch, but it was a classic kind of monster game where they just just clung on, and it was kind of it needed a masterclass from the likes of Omahni. Tyburn was incredible again, um, like it was just some watching Omahni in a mall where you're like, how does he just constantly just pop up latched onto the ball carrier? Like how how have you wormed your way through this? And Tyburn's the same, like. They're just they're they're players like if Munster didn't have these players, my God, they, they'd be in such a worse state of mind. But um, you know they're three from three now again, Westy. But I I've kind of I was actually chatting to Owen Harrison, who's obviously friend of the pod there uh, today, and I kind of wanted to get his kind of view of the Munster kind of situation at the moment because obviously he's a big Munster fan, um, and he he kind of used the phrase papering over the cracks, Westy. Is that a fair kind of summary of the current state state of Munster? To a certain extent, I think I think it is. It's paving over the cracks. Look, it's two games now that they've kind of won at the end, where you're kind of thinking, you know, were they good enough to win that game really? Or, um, you know, if they hadn't won these games, even the previous fixture against Cast, where Cast kind of threw in the towel, you know, after after 80 minutes when it was within their reach to win, um, you know, you look at the performance that Munster gave, and they're neither of them convincing victories now. Like Francis is a difficult place to go and get a win. Um, I'm not trying to downplay that at all, but um, I, I would say again, right? Like it's a monster team that's had hasn't really had the time together that it needs. You know, they were had a very disjointed pre-Christmas, and um, maybe they're not as a squad where they wanted to be in terms of their training plans and what they're doing week in week out. But yeah, look, we said it before. If you're going to play that type of rugby and you don't get the and you get the results, or so if you're going to play that type of rugby, it's it's all about getting the results. So if, if you're not winning these games and not playing well, um, then they're going to get heavy criticism. Look, look at it against Connacht, right? Like, and, you know, some of us obviously feel like they were extra annoyed because it was Connacht. Uh, but at the end of the day, they played a, a really poor strategic game against Connacht and they didn't win. So all we've heard for two weeks is people complaining about Johan van Grant. So it's a very dangerous line to tread. Like each, each win only protects you for a week. Whereas if you have a loss, you're going to have two or three or four weeks of people calling for your head. Yeah, I think, it's, but Sam, with all this being said, though, there's no denying the belief among the players. Like they're pulling these wins out where they don't necessarily deserve to, or you know they haven't, like they haven't had a really good performance in a long time. Now this, they did play in patches a lot better, you know, with with ball in hand against Cast. Like uh, they would, you know, they'd get ninety percent of the way, and then there would be a handling error, or something wouldn't come off for them. But they were actually creating chances, whereas you know previous weeks they weren't creating anything. But like these players still have the belief that they can, you know, they can win games. Yeah, there's a great bunch of players there. Some good mix of really experienced players. The Peter O'Mahony's who, you know, you'd run through a brick wall for. He's done it time and time again. Ty Burns, who's really, you know, exploded in the last two, three years. Uh, and then the good young players. So they have a great mix. They have skill set. They're probably missing that little bit of bulk. I think the papering over the cracks kind of idea is more that like the the winds are papering over what are not good displays and i think that no one doubts the player's belief no one doubts their determination because they've shown time and time again that they will dog out wins and they will get a win regardless you know we can sit here high and mighty in connacht and look at 
you know, monster all we want. But the fact of the matter is they're ahead of us in both the league and the cup this year. And they've not been nice about the way that they've done it. You know, we've enjoyed watching our team play rugby and they maybe haven't, but they've gotten the wins. And at the end of the day, that's what professional sports about. You know, I probably wouldn't pay week in, week out to go and watch that style of rugby. If I was a monster fan or if Connacht were playing that style, you know, I'm, I'm, enjoy going to sports ground because it's a good spectacle but you know you have to be jealous of the fact that they can dog that win out and they have the determination so no one doubts that no one doubts the ability of the players the game plan the tactics the implementation of the game plan what they're trying to do is a bit in my eyes 10 years ago that sort of style of rugby and the game's moved on since then i think munster could do well to get a new coaching setup in they will do well if that coaching setup is the right coaching setup with the right ideas and harnesses the ability and the determination is there because you can't fault the grit and determination you can't fault the fact that they've they've stolen a win there like that i think if that try hadn't been scored they would be just as angry with that performance as they were with the conic performance because they weren't good for a lot of the game but they managed to get the win and that's all that really matters when you know the history books say what happened they're qualified already from the group so they have a dead rubber now next week if they want it and we don't and other teams don't and that's that's something you know they can we can scoff at the, the way they're playing but i think that you know, that's that's the position you want to be in more than the position you don't want to be in you want to be winning rugby games it's not pretty they have the players to play a better brand of rugby and i think that they will with a new coaching ticket i think that the fans want it enough that the board realize that and that's what they will look for in a new coaching ticket is is not just the ability to win but also the ability to entertain uh, and with the players they have it will go and turn upwards i don't want it to as a conic fan i'd love to see them continue to deteriorate and be pissed off at their own performances but that's not going to happen they're going to probably put the right person in charge next year and they get the best out of those players are we starting a hashtag van gran in because i'm down keep them i totally agree um yeah look it, it says a lot but this this is the, the monster at the moment is classic running the business of a professional rugby team versus the fans who are the supporters of that business team like once Munster keep winning as we said like 80% of their games once they you know if they get a home draw now in, in, in the in the cup which they look like they're going to get that's going to pay the bills that's going to keep the, the business side happy whereas the fans don't necessarily care about that if it means that no chance of winning silverware so it's that constant battle like it's like oh, Irish fans with the RFU like they don't necessarily care about a World Cup they make their money off Six Nations and whatnot. Um, and that's that's the constant battle with rugby fans and, and, and clubs themselves. But yeah, as said, they're winning, they're winning ugly, but they're still winning. That's a good point, Sam. Like that's different expectations of clubs and teams and whatnot compared to like the likes of Connacht and Munster. Um but it'll be interesting to see yeah, the rest of the year how it pans out. We'll move on to the last province and we don't really talk about it quite a lot because it's Leinster versus Montpellier. Eighty nine points to seven. It's Leinster's biggest ever margin of victory. Westy how would you view this? Is it, uh, would you be annoyed now if you are the, the, the organiser of this competition and Montpellier just kind of mail in a game like that that don't bring over the, the players, the strong you know strongest team, and just, just mail in a game like that? Would you be pissed off? Well, in that context, maybe I would. Obviously, you know, I've seen a lot of people saying, and it's not, not true, is it? It does take credibility away from the competition when you see uh, victories of such a high margin and performances. You know, Montpellier didn't, you know, well... They fired one or two shots, but it wasn't really a great performance. It was very lackluster. It was a lot of very poor errors now forced on them from a quick Leinster defence and stuff. But 
Um, you, you do have to put it in context, right? Like they had a lot of COVID cases. It's not like they decided to bring half their academy with them because they thought it'd be a good laugh. Like they wanted to give the lads a trip to Dublin. Like there was injuries and there was COVID cases. There were external factors that limited the team that they could bring with them. Now, again, I, I, I don't know. Maybe a slightly better team was available. Um, maybe, you know, there's other things you can do during the, in, in a week to prepare, you know, um, but you're frustrated at the situation. I don't want to lay too much blame at Montpellier again, because I don't know the insights, but I'm, I'm under the impression that they had quite a high contingency of COVID cases during a week. And there was talk of them not even able to fulfill the fixture. Um, but again, that, that lies, lays a second question at your feet. Is it better to just concede the game and not play it or to cobble together a squad and send it to, to Dublin? So, um, I think it. I think it'll frustrate the owners of the competition, but I would. I would ask, what do you think is the lesser of two evils? Well, they would only would have lost twenty eight nil if that. I can see the oh, game. Well, <laughs> four, no, yeah, you're looking at it in the context of four Montpellier. I mean, for the competition. If you can look back at the competition and say more than half the games were cancelled because of COVID, or a couple of them were cancelled and we had one or two very bad defeats, what 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 what, what picture do you want of the competition? No, that's, that's a fair point. Sam, what did you think about the whole thing? Yeah, I think a lot of this kind of, it's a disgrace to the competition stuff isn't taken into account. The fact that they had injuries on top of COVID cases. Maybe they had slightly better players available, but they did definitely have a lot of players not available and they don't have the 95 players Leinster do that could have sent an ex- an international second string team. It's just not the case. No other team in the world has that. So I think that, that there is context there. From a game point of view, I think Leinster won't be happy with what happened because Leinster needed a competitive run out having been off for so long and they didn't get that. And uh, that's just something that's unfortunate in, in the circumstances. Leinster will have scored a lot of tries. Players will have gotten a lot of try scoring bonuses if that's written into their contracts and those sort of things. You know, that'll, that'll help them in terms of their belief. But no one really learned anything from that game, uh, least of all Leinster, I think, because they weren't challenged whatsoever. Like... 1,075 metres gained is just unheard of in a rugby game. You know, even the 317 that Montpellier made is not that bad. <laughs> like, they, they, they were just, you know, tackles-wise, I think I was reading that they were at almost, yeah, 143 tackles for Leinster to 148 for Montpellier, but 42 missed for Montpellier. So it's like, it's, you know, the 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds playing, it was never going to work. And I don't think anyone really got anything out of the game. Uh, but like Wesley said, the fixture being fulfilled is more important for the competition than a walkover so in, in the grand scheme of things the organizer competition can say look in the middle of covid we managed to get a competition played yeah uh, lenson had traveled to bath uh but they bath are currently 11th uh sitting on two points as well so they're probably not going to get much of a competition uh, there as well and this is this is what lenson's kind of issues have been the last couple of years they go and they actually end up playing a really good team having not really played you know, much much competitive games in the in the build up. So, um, it's yeah. I saw. I think even Lenter's back row gained more meters than like half the teams that played this weekend. Like just the back row themselves. Like it's it was a Van de Van de Flair like mask class. I t- I tweeted about Van de Flair, uh, his incredible like read off that line out and score and the influx of responses of he's been working on his carrying am I missing out on a joke here I, I, I was confused Sam is this a was this like a media thing well it's just because he has obviously and 
it it's gotten to a stage where everyone just doesn't need to say it anymore because we all know he's gotten much better at carrying. He's gone from being an okay carrier to being the best carrier in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment for his position. Uh, and that's just something that everyone understands now, but it still gets said about four times a game. And then like that typical commentator just stating the obvious, they say something like, he's really been working on it in training as if he fucking worked on it anywhere else. He's a rugby player that's gotten better at doing something. He probably worked on it in training. You don't need to say that. Like He's actually doing it at home, just in the couch, just carrying the cushions around. around and stuff. Really yeah. decided one day he was going to be better at it. <laughs> he's been listening to audiobooks while he's sleeping about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That's it's it's my, And then uh, Sam, t- tell us about off the ball and their commentary today. First of uh, all, why are you listening to them? Second of all, uh, tell us about it. I just do it to myself. You know, I, you know, you know me, I like putting myself through that pain of reading forums that I don't agree with and listening to radio commentators that I don't agree with. And that that's how I am. That's what I do. I don't know why I do it, but I, I do it to myself. I like that pain, you know, I like to give myself that pain, but I was just listening to it. And the, the statement of facts that aren't facts is just frustrated me. So I had to say it. I was like, Quinny was saying something after the fact, after the game at the weekend, but whilst the situation was still the same, he said, Oh, that loss probably means that they're out of the competition now. And, you know, no, no sort of, I've looked at the table and mathematically it's even not that obvious if we're out or not. It's, you had to do a bit of adding up, but it was very much, and still is very much in the hands of Connacht. So stating things like that and then not being called up on it. I just, it, to me, it just seems a little bit unprofessional and a little bit dismissive and a little bit like proof that he doesn't really look into things or care as much as other people would. And I think there's a lot better, a lot really, really good fan-led media or other media, other rugby things. And if only they released stuff on Monday so I could listen to it on the way home <laughs> from work on a Monday afternoon because it's the only content that comes out before Monday afternoon. You're saying it's a bit unprofessional. It's 100% unprofessional. He's not doing his job. That is his job to know that. He's the expert. He should know that Connacht actually only need a point or even don't even need a point uh, to qualify. Uh, so, yeah, like it's... It's yeah. That, it wouldn't have taken long to Google that, you know. Um, and look at we're not the most nah, researched. I do swear though, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop listening to things for the pure, pure sake of annoying myself because that is the only reason why I listen to it. It's the only reason why I listen to other other podcasts. Uh, just purely to annoy myself. I don't know what it is, but I do. It. Owen Harrison said you're like Mrs. Doyle. You know, like maybe I like the misery. Like, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> that is what you are. You just enjoy getting annoyed about stuff. Yeah, uh, but we'll we'll wrap it up there, boys. Uh, we will have an Irish squad next week to talk about for Six Nations. I'm sure no one's going to be angry or annoyed, uh, and we're all going to be very level-headed uh, about it. But uh, that'll be good to sink our teeth into, and then hopefully as well talking about uh, the knockout stages of the Champions Cup for Connacht, which is something that we were hope we would say, and we are now well, hopefully we'll be saying it. Um, if if we don't qualify after this, Jesus. I- I was looking up flights to La Rochelle uh, because that seemed they're one of the they're one of the teams we might draw, and it's not an easy place to get to. So we'll have to work it out, lads. Camper van, how about it? Leinster away would be the easiest, but the least desirable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wester, who would you be supporting? Ah, you're so funny. I'm the only one from Connacht on this podcast. <laughs> That's actually a very good point. That is a great point, and well said, Westy. Well said. Yeah. Well said in your Dublin accent. <laughs> Sam, how many Leinster jerseys are in your house right now? Because it's definitely about 20. None in my house right now. How many have you owned throughout your life? I've owned one or two, yeah. yeah there Wesley, there's, there's photographic evidence of you in one as well, Wesley. Yeah, so. never owned it. Never hugging, owned it. hugging Jamie Heaslip. 
please start a podcast, Jamie. That's what you were telling him. That's what you were telling him. <laughs> You're the reason he put that tweet up. <laughs> uh, we'll wrap it up there, boys. As always, it's a pleasure. Thanks for coming on, and we'll be back next week. Cheers, Bye. boys. Cheers.